Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Today on Clit Talk, we're going to ask the dear Abby of hot sex absolutely anything we want, and she has a special gift for all of you. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Shower, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, A Reclamation. So our incredible guest today is the champion and advocate for couples craving more passionate relationships. She has over 20 online sexuality programs and over 20 published books. She's the CEO of Personal Life Media, a happily married woman and mother. Please welcome our sexpert for today, Susan Bratton. Hello, sexy women. (laughs) Hello. Okay, so we have a sexpert in the studio, ladies. What questions do you have for this incredible woman? Okay, if there is one thing that we could do that would take our sex life from zero to 100 real quick, what would that be? In in a nutshell, it's something I call expanded orgasm. It's a practice for couples, and I've been doing it for 14 years with my husband. Wow. And it is the thing that saved my marriage, helped me become multi-orgasmic, helped me uh, have inner intercourse orgasms, penetration orgasms. I didn't have those until I was 45. Um, you've talked on the show a lot about... Ex- Stephen Verabadansky, Extended Massive Orgasm, Nicole Day Doan, and One Taste Orgasmic Meditation. Um, you've talked about Regina. All of these practices, including my own version of the practice, which I call Expanded Orgasm, actually comes from a place called Morehouse in Lafayette, California. It was invented in the 70s. And there were a group of sex researchers who got together and they spent a lot of time living together Uh, understanding female orgasm. And so when you learn about orgasmic meditation or extended massive orgasm, there are many, many names for this clitoral stroking practice that you talked about on the show before, you know, uh, one o'clock, two o'clock underneath the hood, mostly (laughs) on the left side, light as a butterfly stroke. This practice of clitoral stroking is uh, something that you do with any partner. And um, the one taste version, for example, orgasmic meditation is the 15 minute the 15-minute date. Another word for this is deliberate orgasm. There are a lot of people who teach this in a lot of different ways. And my particular way that I teach it is through my mentor, Dr. Patty Taylor, 
she created an online program for people who don't want to go to a sex workshop or they want to they want to basically have a couples practice a practice where they can have heart connection where they can really drop in deeply with each other where they can really get that limbic sexual connection not the kind of thing where it's more of a genital stroke and you walk away but more of a practice that you do as a as a couple and so that's what expanded orgasm is. It's um, where the woman is receiving and her partner is giving. And it's a very, very light stroke on your clitoris. And um, what it essentially does is it takes away all of that desensitization that we women have experienced from mm-hmm. everything from, to you know, men getting off on us and in us without us being with them in turn on uh, to, uh, you know, overly stimulating ourselves with our vibrators or even our own hands. Um, Just like everything about the, what I call expanded orgasm practice doing, which is stands for deliberate, deliberate orgasm. It's really all about getting into a place where you are able to feel into the full potential of your orgasmic upper limits. It's it's something where as a practice you get better and better over time with your partner where you actually surrender your nervous system to your partner and they take you on the ride where you have that spiritual sexuality together where where it's a, a level of trance state, a meditative trance state, a sexual trance state that feels transcendent, that feels like you can touch God in some moments. Um, and it does what my darling friend Sherry Winston calls orgasmic cross-training. You get so good at coming <laughs> with expanded orgasms that you begin to have other kinds of orgasms. Your pussy gets engorged, full of blood. That erectile tissue gets filled up. You're not any longer trying to have sex without a hard-on. You've got a hard-on and you're coming. And not only that, you're coming in a way where, you know, you were talking about going over. What does going over mean? And, you know, you've heard, you're hearing these words about, you know, these expanded orgasm experiences. It's, it's a way that you can get into a flow state of orgasm where you are essentially going into an orgasm that, that moment of climax that you might have now, you know, when you talk about like a pussy sneeze or something like that, you know, that, that little tiny moment of orgasm or even that really nice big like <laughs> orgasm that you had, you can get into that and then you can take that moment and stretch that moment out like taffy so that you just keep coming. And you can stack those long coming moments where each orgasm in that practice time, in that stroke session, it just keeps getting better and bigger and longer and more. And you can, I mean, I've come for an hour straight. You've mentioned partners in this practice. What do you suggest for us single girls that don't have a partner? I actually suggest getting a research partner, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a person across the gender spectrum who would like to learn how to be a really good good giver or someone that would practice with you so that you could both give and receive and take turns. Could you just give a little example of of what that question would look like with a good friend of ours? <laughs> Eve, I well, bet you don't have Well, it could be problems. something like, um, 
My guest on the show on Clit Talk gave us a free copy of her online program, Expanded Orgasm. <laughs> Which That's I'm going good. to, of course, because I brought presents today. Awesome. <laughs> and I want to learn you. it, but I'm currently not in a relationship. But I'd really love to know if you'd be willing to be a research partner with me. It would require us, you know, uh, playing with each other's genitals if it's a woman, or it would require you playing with my genitals and learning the stroke technique. But practice makes perfect. And I think it would be something where for you, there's benefits. And for me, there's benefits. And I wonder if you'd like to set up a date once a week for us to try. Excellent. Thank Bam. you. Yes. That's good. I'm a yes. Good. I have a boyfriend and I might get a research partner anyway. <laughs> I'll be or your research partner. partner. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> okay. Honestly, you guys could all be research partners for each other. Yeah, seriously. Take clit talk yeah. to the next level. <laughs> So I have a question. In our private parts episode, we talked about the pussy anatomy. And what I want to know, is there a more specific clitoral anatomy? Yeah, I... um. I really wanted to put some distinction on the clitoris and orgasm. When I, I just, while I was waiting to go on the show with you today, I just Googled the word clitoris and I looked at the pictures and I thought, oh good, we're making some progress because the top of my screen, the first row or two was filled with these uh, 3D printed clits with the little, the little clit head, the glands, the little shaft, the crora, the little legs and the vestibular bulbs, the little punching bags. And I think that's good, but what I'm concerned about is that I don't want women to feel like that's the only tissue they have available to play with that's orgasmic. And I worry about something called information cascade, where one person makes their idea of what a clitoris looks like, and then everybody copies it, and then it just gets like over and over and over reproductions of the same wrong thing. I don't know. I have never had the opportunity to um, dissect a woman's anatomy and take out the clitoral structure. But if I were going to do that, I would be looking at where those bulbs lie exactly on many different women, where the crora run. Do they run up inside alongside the vaginal canal on each side of it, like the channel up in there, which is where I think they go. And then um, I would like to also know where the urethral sponge is and how that's connected to the G. That's basically the G spot, but it's actually the urethral sponge. I'd also like to know where the perineal sponge is in relation to that because it's between the rectum and the vaginal canal. And all of that is erectile tissue. And I bet there's a lot of erectile tissue right across our mons because I know I love getting that stroked too. But that doesn't even include all of the tissue in not our nipples, but our friggin' breasts, Mm -hmm. like the whole shebang, if you will. And hello, I come from my mouth. I come from going down on people's And so uh, I want to know where the erectile tissue is in my lips, in my tongue, in the back of my mouth, because Linda Lovelace and you are exactly the same. We all have erectile tissue right down our throat and we can come like we can squirt from our throats. What? Swear to God, I do it over and over and over. That sounds like- We can have a whole nother, we can have a whole nother clit talk just on coming from your mouth if you want to. Because if you think about it, it's just like never put any lube on your pussy you wouldn't eat. It, your, your mouth and your pussy are the same material, the same thing. They're it's one end of the tube. It's your hollow flute. It's your lumen. It's your light source. It's so you, you can start connecting your pussy and your mouth and you can get that whole thing contracting, which is awesome. 
Oh my goodness. So Susan, this is so incredible. And you are such a prolific author, 20 books, and you also have 20 online courses. So we're really talking to a professor of sex here. So what is a vestibular bulb? What is a crorock? So when, when you were a little tiny baby inside your mommy, you, everybody started out as a girl and somewhere along the line about the 16th week, uh, some of us got a hormonal bath of testosterone and turned into boys. And some of us got random things along that spectrum that turned us into some somewhat of a boy, somewhat of a girl, what have you. But you, that structure that is our dick or our pussy, our penis or our vulva, is the same thing. It started out exactly the same group of cells. And then it morphed into what it became. And so each part of a penis has something called a homologous, you know, the same part for a woman. Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, explains this the best of anybody. She's so good. You got to get her on the show. She's awesome too. Sherry Winston, Emily Nagoski, amazing. So your clitoral tip is a man's top of tip of his penis. His shaft, you've got a shaft. And if you don't get that thing hard, you're never going to have the kind of orgasms you possibly can. So this whole thing is about getting blood flow to all that tissue in not just your clitoris, but in those sponges and in your whole vulva, because that's when you're really going to start to come well is when you get fully engorged. And so the crora are actually the same as the corpus cavernosum in a guy, which fill up with blood when he gets a hard on. So if you have sex without a hard on, you're short, you're shorting yourself the pleasure. And then the bulbs, the vestibular bulbs are these little punching bags, these little bags that hang down. They hang down it, right in front of the entrance to your vagina, underneath where your pubic hair is, <laughs> under your fur. And they like pressure. Like if you've ever like ground your pussy on a, on a lover's leg or something like that, and it's kind of gotten plump, you're plumping up those bulbs. They like to be stroked, especially down with the fur. I've always like wanted to know what those were, and I just, it was such a mystery. I couldn't even ask the question. Thank you, I'm Susan. giving you so many new things to play with. We're so excited. You've got some homework. <laughs> I, I find that those um, are where I get most uncomfortable. If I'm thinking of the right thing, you're talking about the things that hang down right inside the entryway, yes? It's, um, it's your outer labia. Oh, so what? What your is outer labia, not your inner labia? Those plumpy little outer labia that are furry. Oh, oh, gosh! Underneath you. there's the bulbs. That oh, underneath that is what you're called the punching bag. So you're talking about something that we can't see on the outside. The right. punching bags are on the inside. I hope no one ever punches me there. Um. So, so what I want to ask you a question about is right inside the entrance to the vagina. There's these, there's this tissue and it's, and it's, and it's uneven. And if you push your vagina out, you can see it come out a little bit. What, what is that little friend in there? There are a couple of things. Um, One is that you're talking about your vaginal sphincter muscle, and that's also called your entroitus. And that is highly sensitive tissue that really likes a light stroke. Like that's when when a guy's going to or a person's going down on you, um, they and they circle that area and get that engorged. It's really nice. Now that that sphincter will contract 
and that sphincter, all your sphincters in your body, everything from your duodenal sphincters and your esophageal sphincters to your sphincter in your inside your throat, your eyes are actually sphincters, circular muscles that contract. That's why your pupils dilate when you get turned on. It's because you're actually, when you're, when you open your mouth and you, you, you open your pussy. When you open your pussy, your mouth comes open, your eyes open, you see more during sex, you know, things like that. One of you, I don't know who it is, is a very visual sex person. Who's the one who likes to look at things when you're having sex? Who was that? I forget who it was. It's hard to tell you apart sometimes when you listen to your that, show. Is it sugar? I'm pretty visual too. Oh. I like to be able to see. Oh yeah, it is you. You talk about like teeth. And, yeah. and Tamiko, the eye contact. You're talking about seeing things turned you on. Some people yeah. are more auditory when they make love. But anyway, that little sphincter, right above it, when you, when you look inside your vaginal opening and you look at the top, once you get turned on, a little bit of tissue that sometimes has a little bit of ridges, that starts to come out, like peek out. That is what is considered your G spot. I call it a G area. I don't, I mean, it's not a spot. Sometimes there is like, if you stick your finger up inside the, on the roof of your vagina and you, you press... And there'll be like one little spot in there that's like, oh, yeah, ha, oh, that, I want that. Uh, uh, you know, that feels so good. That, yeah. that is in that moment where your G spot is, but it moves around because it's a <laughs> tube of tissue that surrounds your entire, uh, like your urethra, which is where your pee comes out. That's why right above that vaginal opening is the hole where your pee comes out. It feels really good to lick around that little exit point because that's also erectile tissue because that tissue is a sponge that goes up inside you, which is if you go inside your vagina, that's what's up there that you're stroking when you're stroking for a G-spot or having um, a female ejaculation. But I don't call it a female ejaculatory orgasm. I changed my mind because I've learned more. I'm always learning. You don't necessarily orgasm when you ejaculate. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. So I wanted to also make that distinction. And I don't like the word squirting as much as I like the word female ejaculation or Amrita because I kind of feel like squirting has been like squirreled by, you know, like taken away from by porn, which I don't, I don't love that myself. That happened to me. Actually, it was the last time I had sex as I squirted, but didn't have an orgasm with it. And it freaked me out. I love squirting. I am a hella squirter. I'm pretty new to it. I I learned how to do it. My husband and I were like, I, I was like, I want to learn how to squirt. This was probably about 14 years ago. I went through this massive sexual renaissance. My husband and I, 11 years into our marriage, we'll be 25 years married next month. Congratulations. And our sex life just keeps getting better and better because since we started learning about sex and trying new things like squirting and expanded orgasm and all these things, um, you know, I've just gotten so good at really letting myself gush. Not all the time, not every time. I kind of have to be in the mood. I have to hydrate. You really have to <laughs> hydrate if you want to squirt a lot. She's holding a glass so of sometimes water. Well, is there a way to not good, squirt? Because like now I'm freaked out I'm going to squirt. Like how can I not squirt? How do I make sure that doesn't happen next time? Or is this like, I just didn't have control of my body. It freaked me out. Oh, well, I think you get more control over it over time. It's, I think female ejaculation ultimately becomes fairly intentional. 
Uh, so you can decide to allow yourself to let go at that level. Uh, there's a level of surrender. There's a level of birthing that fluid um, that, you know, sometimes, yeah, every once in a while, there'll be, you know, some some ejaculation that comes out because it just does and you were really turned on. Other times, you're very intentional about, I am going to ejaculate because it's a very, very, uh, it's kind of like an orgasm and a cry had a baby. That's how I describe it. It's very <laughs> rebooting. It's really flushes you out. It really resets mm-hmm. your nervous system in a way that even just orgasms can't do. Well, and it also provides an incredible natural lubricant. I mean, the sex post-ejaculation is just absolutely incredible for that purpose. It's different for different women at different times in their cycle. Sometimes women actually feel like ejaculating requires them to put on more lube for things like intercourse Mm -hmm. and other things because... they, you know, because they kind of like squirted off all their own natural lubricant. So it just dep- it really depends on where you are in your cycle. You might ejaculate a lot in a certain part of your cycle and therefore naturally be more slippery uh, around your ovulation. Yeah, I'm kind of like Crystal that when I feel it coming on, I typically hold it in because a lot of times I don't feel maybe with that particular partner, um, so intimate or so close emotionally. And I just, I don't know, I just don't want to share that with that person. So I do hold it in. But now that you said it's like rejuvenating and refreshing, (laughs) maybe I'll rethink it. (laughs) Well, a lot of times I think, and this is, this really gets to like boundaries and agreements around your sex partner. Um, I think sometimes it's really good to go through a, a little conversation about, you know, where you are. And so this, one of the things I'm going to give your listeners as a gift is, is an excerpt from my book. My book is called Sexual Soulmates. And um, I'll send all of you beauties a copy of it. It's my wow, latest one. And it's the six essentials for connected sex. What makes sex hot and keep getting better instead of shitty and getting worse and worse over time? And the technique that I'm going to give you is called the Sexual Soulmate Pact, P-A-C-T, like an agreement. And the Sexual Soulmate Pact, it's at it's at sexualsoulmatepact.com, so you can go get it. Um, it. It's really an understanding of two things. It's an agreement between partners, but it's also the idea that there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. So let me break it down for you really simply. The first thing is that you take a partner and you say, look, I am an animal. I am a homo sapien. I am part of the animal kingdom. I don't have control over this girl. She kind of does what she wants. She needs what she wants. I am a slave to her. So there are some days when I want to be ravished and taken and thrown on the bed and just done. And there are others when my lovemaking looks like I really need you to hold me very, very strongly and supportively until I can completely relax. And then I want to have very, very soft kissing because I'm feeling kind of like shy and inwardly focused. And we'll see where things take us from there there. You know, it's that kind of a thing of understanding that you kind of have to honor the animal you are and that being a hormonally cyclical moon woman, even after menopause, even if you don't have a period, you're still a moon woman. You're a moon woman your whole life. You ebb and you flow. And so checking in with where you are and then sharing that with your partner and them understanding that you're going to be that way. And men are across that spectrum too. Some men are pretty much just straight up. They're happy just to get inside you every single time. And it's awesome for them and they're good. And it's really simple to 
other kinds of partners who are, you know, their own sensitive creatures. And, and so having the ability to say where you are in the moment and any boundaries around like, oh, I've got, you know, I got to be on clit talk podcast. So don't mess up my hair, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. Those are really helpful things for your partner because then they can play right up to your boundaries and have really hot sex. And the other piece of it is that when you give your partner feedback or when you receive feedback and you just acknowledge it, instead of being like, oh, sorry, you know, like they did something wrong, like that shuts you down and you don't want to tell them anything anymore. So if you can get them to say, thank you, or got it, baby, or how's this? Is this better? Then they start realizing that the more feedback they get, the better lover they are for you. And especially male-bodied, you know, male-bodied people, they really want to win. They need to be your hero. They want to give you incredible pleasure and they need direction. And that's a great way for them to get direction because it takes out the, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Or I'm telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what my body is telling me needs to be done. It kind of, it's almost like a third person thing where they, you can tell them a lot more because they're like, oh, right. I understand. It's just your body. It's not you bossing me around. Hmm. <laughs> That's great. So that, that, so that kind of leads me to, we, we, um, we just did a live event and I had a couple women come up to me and I've also experienced this in past relationships. I'm curious on sort of like a psychological level, you hear like you either have chemistry or you don't, right? What if yeah. you're with someone that you really love and like you you want to be with them, but you're just not necessarily clicking sexually and you're worried like maybe we just don't have good chemistry. Is that something like you either have or you don't? Or is that something you can actually create with somebody? It depends. There are some people you're never going to get turned on by. You're just not. You're not into them. And so they're probably not a good choice for you. And you're making decisions. I I think you should always let the pussy do the picking. You should always (laughs) let her choose your lovers. It's difficult because sometimes we feel like we have this giant checklist of things that make the perfect partner. And I think for me, being a sexual woman, I would never go back to being the person who didn't have chemistry and Chemistry ebbs and flows in monogamous relationships, though. So if you feel like it's the right partner and um, you've just either gotten bored, you know, sex, hot sex requires novelty and variety. Um, It requires a little danger mixed with safety. That's what makes sex hot. That's why learning new techniques is the single best thing you can do with someone where you want to keep the spark alive. Um, We call them erotic play dates over here. And that is couples that play together stay together when you unless there's like really no chemistry in which case you know there's a million fish in the sea um don't stick it out with someone who isn't turning you on because you should not squander your sexuality over something you think you should be doing um you need to hold out for that that person that is you know someone who can grow with you over time um but the erotic play dates are really fun because you can learn new things yeah, um, one you, of the things that I created with my friend Jaya, who's also a beautiful sex educator, her tech, her latest um, thing that you should have her on your show too is the erotic blueprint. She's really good at understanding different people's sexuality, personality types, and that's always a really fun thing to understand. When you have erotic playdates, you can learn things together, like 
how to really go down on me, how, how I can give you like a really deep throat, incredible blowjob, how we can give me nipplegasms, how I can play with your prostate, how we can try different strokes like Taoist thrusting techniques for intercourse, whatever, you know, you come up with the thing you're into, oh, I, whatever it is, and you, you share ideas and that keeps things hot and spicy and it gets you better in bed together, um, which really helps a lot. Yeah, one of my favorite videos that you have is the one about um, how to have orgasms through penetration. And you talk about three things. You talk about context, and then you talk about variety a lot. And that's what you're talking about now, variety. And then I did love listening to this, um, what did you call it, soulmate pact. That that conversation that you have prior, just uh, getting permission from your partner to be able to give direction without hesitating because you're afraid that you're going to make them feel bad. And I love that as well. But, you know, my absolute most interested video that you put up is because of how many uh, listeners you got on it. And it was the cuckold one. And I was so surprised how many people watch that one and why it's such of, of interest. Because for myself personally, I only had one experience where someone asked me to be the dom and he was the sub and he wanted to know if I would be interested in this cuckold. And I didn't know anything about it. And I did a little research and I thought, wow, this is kind of strange. And that's how I found your video. So I wanted you to kind of recreate what that is, cuckold, and why you think it's such a fascinating topic and you're one of your highest watched videos. I think cuckolding is a highly watched video because it's porn driven. And unfortunately, I think that it's disappointing to me that how to give a woman a penetration orgasm is not my best watched video. And the cuckolding yeah, me too. is like some, you know, like random vertically niched porn thing is getting more traffic on YouTube than how to give a woman a penetration orgasm. That's just shitty and it pisses me off. Can I say that on Clit Talk Radio? Of course. Radio? Yes, yes, you can. Please do. We agree. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's really, um, that's really interesting that that is the case. And I just wonder if just like for Tamiko here, it actually is a gateway for people who are, you know, maybe coming at it from a different angle to, to enter into the rest of your work and to discover some of the other incredible things like how to give and to have an orgasm through penetration, which is such a beautiful experience. And amongst our entire clit crew here. So we've we've heard that there are nine types of orgasms and 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 then even there are some articles that say there's upwards of 12 and what we've from what we've talked about on the show so far I've counted five types that we've had collectively which is clitoral uh, penetration ejacul- ejaculation n- anal and nipple could you tell us about the other four plus? What are we missing? <laughs> Help us. And can you, you told t- us one, the, the throat, the mouth yeah, one. Yeah, the throat yeah. one. Wait, I don't know what cuckolding is. Yeah, me neither. What is <laughs> so cuckolding? can we do that first and then do this? <laughs> this gentleman partner uh-huh. that I'm no longer with asked me uh, if he, he liked cuckold because what he would do is he would sit like in a chair or somewhere in the room while I'm making love or fucking another man. And that was his oh. turn on. He liked a little yeah. humiliation. But That's what, why you brought up threesome. Right. right. Okay. So, but well, what, it didn't make any sense. Okay. 
But what I <laughs> oh what, sorry what yeah, I got what from this okay. and it's most often we're a, learning a monogamous couple who also um, right. has the woman be. Uh, fucked by another man. There are certain people that their joy is visual. Right. They get as much joy out of seeing the person they love enjoy and take her pleasure with another person as they do in pleasuring that person themselves. Right. And different strokes, man. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. just Literally. all good. If everybody's safe, if, as my husband says, if nobody gets hurt and nothing gets broken, it's all good. <laughs> well, this conversation, Susan, about the cuckold, what it allowed for me was the opening up of the conversation of consensual non-monogamy. And that yes. was helpful for me when I started investigating it more. I'm much more I have much deeper bench strength in threesomes and how to negotiate successful threesomes. I've had over 300 of them. Um, So that's an area of expertise. And I don't talk about that much. And I certainly don't talk about that with uh, my mainstream followers generally, just because that's not where people are. And I really do like to meet people where they are and help them, as you said, so beautifully come into my world and know that there's more available. But getting to this you know, quantification of how many orgasms there are, I would I would really focus less on the number and more on just learning where all the erectile tissue is in your body and uh, fluffing it up and playing with it. So, you know, there's erectile tissue in your lips, your tongue, your mouth, your throat. You know, there's an erectile tissue in your breasts and your nipples. Now, you know, there's erectile tissue all throughout your clitoral structure, as well as your perineal sponge and your urethral sponge down the front of your pussy. There's, there's just so much... And and don't forget those things that just feel good and can also be orgasmic. I've come from foot rubs. I've come from having my erect my erectus abdominis, the muscle that runs up and down your belly. Um, there's all kinds of erectile tissue up above the mons in your stomach area. You can come from. You can have a think off. Someone can talk you into an orgasm. You could be lying in bed just thinking about something and come. So. I think it's more important to play with as much tissue in your body as you can and get yourself in the mental frame of turn on. How, mm-hmm. how do you get yourself in the mental frame of turn, turn on? What conditions need to be right for you? What is the lover space? What's the environment like for you? What, where's your body and what is it asking for and wanting before you can even think about coming? If, you're, if your foot hurts, if your feet hurt because you were wearing those sassy shoes you need to get a foot rub before you can come. You know, it's it's more about like just being aware of what you desire and the sensual experience and then the kind of stimulation that's going to feel really good to you. Some women are more wired for anal orgasms. Some women are more wired for clitoral orgasms. Some women are more wired for vaginal orgasms naturally. But orgasms are a learned experience. And mm-hmm. you all, every person listening right now can get better and better and more and more orgasmic as you get older. You are at the very beginnings of your orgasmic potential, your sexual potential. And just what you're doing now by asking all these questions and what you've got the the level of desire and hunger I'm experiencing from all of you sharing your what you want and what you're getting and what you have is so positive for the world. Thank you. I just want to say, um, fuck yeah. I'm so excited by this conversation. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to explore all my tissue. Like I'm really 
this is very an exciting conversation. Like just, I'm, I'm Thank thrilled. You. I'd like to invite you, Susan, to join in with us as we come to a close chanting the sacred word pussy pussy just the three of us we can have sex if we try just the three of us you and I and you also Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.